Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. talking about uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to follow Christ. And, 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 and in week one, I had to kind of knock down some walls to let you know what is qualified. How do you, can, how do you qualify to be a follower? And what I did was kind of go backwards. I, I, I shared with you all what it doesn't take. In other words, in order to be a follower of Christ, it is a prereq- prerequisite that you are a sinner. It's a prerequisite that you are a sinner. How do I know? Well, who were the people that Jesus hung out early in his ministry? Sinners, and then there was tax collectors who were like worse than sinners, right? To be a follower, the prerequisite is that you have to be a sinner. And I think everybody's hand went up when I asked that question, if there were any sinners present. I think I put both my hands up and I sat down and lifted my feet. We're all sinners, right? It's a prerequisite, you know, that's a prerequisite. You don't have to be perfect. Then, you know, last week we kind of talked about, well, well, what does it mean to follow? We talked about the importance of sacrifice in order to be an authentic follower of Christ. You know, it requires sacrifice. You have to give up something. And in many cases, that's your own life in order to be a follower. And, 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 and so today what I want to do is use an example of what a follower is. In, in, in the New Testament... The word disciple is used 269 times. I know, I've checked. I've checked Google, and Google told me that. No, I'm just playing. But I checked. 269 times in the New Testament, the word disciple is used. Guess how many times the word Christian is used? Three. In the New Testament, the word Christian is used only three times, but the word disciple is used 269 times. What does that mean? That means that our God, our Jesus, came here not to build up Christians. He came here not to create Christians. He came here not to, 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 to build a group of people and call them Christians. He came here to build up a group of people that would follow him. These group of people will be called disciples. So often, many of us are just comfortable in the title of Christi, of being a Christian because Christian allows us to just show up for 70 minutes on a Sunday morning and dip our feet into the water called Christianity and say, I'm good, I'm a Christian, and that is it for me. Many of us get comfortable in Christianity because it doesn't require us to be a disciple. 
But today I'm going to push you just a little bit further. I want to push you past your Christianity, and I want to push you into discipleship. Because that's why Jesus came, not to build and create and, and, and make Christians, but to make disciples. And it's so important to him that he even shared it in his last message with his disciples. He says, go and what? Make disciples. Now, if you are wondering which category you fit in, it's very easy. And listen, my message today is not to step on anybody's toes. If anything, I'm going to step on my own first because I've got some room to grow. But I, wanna, I just want to help you understand where you are now. The best, place to, the, the best place you can be in in order to grow is to know where you are now, is to know your position now. So, so here's how you can figure out if you are in the category of Christian or in the category of disciple. You ready? Simple. Christians believe the right things and behave the right way. Disciples are disciple makers. What do I mean by that? Who are you currently speaking into? Who are you currently building up in Christian, in, in, the, in, the, in biblical beliefs? Who are you currently praying with? Who are you currently walking with through this thing called life together? Now, if you, if, now, now I can look across the room, and I know all of you very well for the most part. And I would say you all behave very well. And, and, and you believe the right things. But the question is, who are you discipling? And if you, if you can answer, answer to yourself that no one in your life right now is being discipled by you, then that's good because we got a place where we can start from, right? We have a place where we can build from because disciples are disciple makers. Disciples are disciple makers. Makers, and if you're not discipling someone right now, then you're you're still in the in in the area of being a Christian, and that's not enough. And today I'm going to talk with you all about someone who did not actually walk with Jesus, but is probably one of the second most important people we learn about in the New Testament. Probably one of the second most important people we read about and hear about and learn about in the New Testament. Guy by the name of Paul. We're going to talk about him, and I want to show you some steps that he took to be a follower. Let me pray, and then I'm going to give you some scripture. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you this morning. God, we thank you for, for just choosing us the way you've chosen us. We thank you for just being with us, God. We don't even have to invite you into this place because, God, I feel your presence here today. God, I thank you for every single person assembled here, prepared to hear a word that you've prepared. Oh, God, my greatest, my greatest request this morning, oh, God, is that I represent you to the full. I pray, oh, God, that I represent you like never before. God, everything you've poured into me, let it be emptied out today unto those in attendance. Bless this place this morning from center to circumference, God, so that when we leave this place today, we can say we had a good time. And we are definitely followers, not just believers in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Something has happened in, in, in the American church. 
something so critical and crucial has happened in the church in America that our brothers and sisters from overseas are coming here to do mission work. And it's not to serve poor people. It's not to build up churches. It's not to dig wells for, for water. Our brothers and sisters are coming from overseas to show us how to be disciples. Why? Because we've just settled at being Christians. People who had never heard the word Jesus before, who, who grew up in, 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 in Islamic communities or, 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 or communities where there was no God whatsoever, were introduced to God across the seas. They became Christians. They read this Bible and they says, wow, America must be just like this Bible. And they come to America and say, whoa, where is Jesus in all of this? I, I, I see Christ on stuff written. I I see people wearing t-shirts that says, I love Jesus. I see people with the fish symbol on on the back of the car. But where is Jesus? Because what I see when I see American people, I don't see Jesus. So they're coming over here to do mission work, to train us on how to be disciples. Because we've mastered mastered Christianity, and Christianity is religion, and that's not of Jesus. We're not institutionalized. We're not caught up into into some, some, some just tradition. We are to be devoted, committed, sacrificial followers of Christ. It's not going to be easy. That was never the promise that it would be easy. The promise was that he would be with us every step of the way. When it's ugly, he's with us. When it's good, he's with us. When it's a gray area, he's with us. He never said it's going to be smooth sailing. And this message is probably one of the most important messages I want to preach to you all probably this year. Because I don't want us to settle for being Christians. I don't want us to settle for believing the right things and behaving the right way. And that be the sum total of who we are. It's amazing. You can go to other countries and the first thing they see is not your occupation. The, the first thing they see is not your, 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 you know, what you believe. The first thing they see is that, wow, man, my brother, you're a Christian. I remember going uh, to Haiti and speaking with people and that was how they led a lot of times. It was like, oh, you're Christian? Oh, boom. It wasn't, what else you do? That came after we talked about, you're Christian? Oh, my brother. Oh, my brother. You're Christian? Oh, my brother. And automatically, we start talking about Jesus. It would be like 30 minutes later before they say, so now what do you do back in America? We didn't talk for 30 minutes, and all we talked about is Jesus. When was the last time we had that conversation with our counterparts here in this country? It's been a while. Matter of fact, uh, can I be honest? Can can I be really honest? Oftentimes we avoid it because we don't want to appear too religious. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want people to dislike us or judge us. Huh? I must be talking to a few people because it got quiet. 
Honestly, it happens all the time here because we, we, we're, we're ashamed of this badge, this badge of honor called discipleship. But we're cool with Christianity because in Christianity, all I have to do is wear the T-shirt, say a few amens, attend church on Sunday morning, and if we got a midweek service, I go to that, and then I'm good. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not why I came. That's not why I'm here. Join me, if you will, in, in, in the book of Philippians. And I want to talk to you all about a brother named Paul. Today's message is entitled All In because that's how Paul was. He was all in. And in order to be a follower of Christ, an authentic follower of Christ, we have to be just like Paul. We have to be all in. Philippians 3 will be the scripture I read today, starting with verse 5. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. In other words, I behaved well. You couldn't tell me I was out of line. I behaved well. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. What's so amazing about this, Philippians 3, the entire, and I can't read the whole thing. It, it, you know, that's the difficulty sometimes in being a pastor and you're trying to, you know, you're doing your study. And, it, and then you find some stuff that's so juicy and it's so good, it's so relevant, but it's hard to pick through. Well, what do I want to talk about in about 35 to 40 minutes? What, what can I sum this up for people? And so I figured I would just start here. But if we look at the entire message of Philippians 3, this is Paul's argument to why he is, 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 is equipped, why it's important for him to be a disciple and follower of Christ. It's his whole argument as to why he wants to be a disciple. And, and, and the beauty of Philippians is he's saying all of these things after he's already done some amazing work. I mean, he's saying this in Philippians after he had planted like a bunch of churches after he had done some amazing thing, after he avoided death, he's saying all of these things after he had built up other leaders, after he had traveled all across that area, planting churches and raising up leaders and raising money for churches and doing all these amazing things. He says all of this stuff after that. And it's like, wow, even at the end of your race, you are still desperate for God. You've already done some. I mean, if I look at my life at this point, if I'm, if I'm Paul right now, I'm like, I'm good. I'm on vacation. It's time for me to retire. I'm chilling. Let me get some golf clubs and B, let's, let's go down there and swing them. Gus, meet me down at the greens. Let's do it. Because if I've accomplished as much as Paul has accomplished at this point in my ministry, heck, I'm ready to retire. But not Paul. 
Paul's like, I've done all of that. I come from the best pedigree there ever was. Let me tell you a little bit about this group called the, 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 the Sanhedrin. Okay? The Sanhedrin composed of two different groups. One was the, the, uh, the Sanhedrin composed of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, now these were the, the religious leaders of the time. The, they, they were the know-it-alls. Here's what separated them. The Sadducees, in order to be a Sadducee, you had to be born into the Sadducee. In other words, your granddaddy, your granddaddy's granddaddy had to be a Sadducee. You had to be, it had to be uh, in your heritage to be a Sadducee. And these people knew law like nobody's business. They could, I mean, they were born, when, when they're born, they put the Torah and all of the scripture and all of the Jewish law in front of them and have them read it all day long. That was school for them. They didn't learn algebra. They didn't learn history. They, well, they learned Jewish history, but they didn't learn science and social studies. No, it was all about memorizing and understanding the law because you are my son. It is your job to continue the legacy of being a Sadducee. But then there's another group called the Pharisees. Now, now to be a Pharisee, one, it had to be a desire, okay? And, and, and number two, um, uh, you had to uh, be pure. You had to be a pure Jew. You had to be pure Hebrew. Matter of fact, so pure, they would check your genealogy. They would literally go back and say, okay, let's start with your father. Now, who's your father's father and mother? Now, who's her father and who's his father and father and mother? They would go all the way back until it traced back to one of the originals of the original tribes of Israel. And here it is. This is Paul. He's like, I'm from that. I, he, that's why he says that. I'm cut from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the twelve. So he's cut from strong pedigree. Now he's qualified to be a Pharisee. So, so now he begins his study as a little boy to memorize all of the Old Testament stuff, the Torah, all of the Jewish law, so that he could be this great, great religious leader. He does it. He makes it. He's among them. And he says, all that I've done, all of the work I've put into being a Pharisee, all of the sacrifice, when I could have been out there shooting hoops with my boys, when I could have been out there hanging out with some honeys, I'm sitting here memorizing the law because it's that important for me to be a Pharisee. It's that important for me to get this, 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 this hierarchy, this title. All the sacrifice he made, he says, is not worth it compared to what Jesus offers that is sacrifice. Some of y'all sitting there like, okay, so what are you telling me, man? I done spent eight years in school. I've done all, I've spent all my money. What are, you, what are you telling me? All that's worthless? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you what Paul was saying about him. But here's what it takes to be like Paul, to be a follower like Paul. Here's what it takes. Ready? Here's your first note. Number one, it takes desire. Now, here's the thing. Why do I start with Desire. First of all, if you don't have the desire to be a follower, go ahead and take a nap, and then we'll wake you up when we're done. Because if you don't even have it in your heart to want to follow Christ, if you don't have it in your heart to want to sacrifice, if you don't have it in your heart to want to have an intimate relationship, then everything else I say today and the rest of the year will fall on deaf ears and will be null and void. So I give you permission to go night-night, and we'll wake you up when we get to the end. But if that is not you, open your ears and listen tentatively. Watch this, tentatively. Sorry about that. Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Here's Paul. This is what he's saying. 
I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I love my Jesus. I really do. I love him. I really do. Just saying his name, it it just has this thing up in me, just my emotions start boiling and bubbling up. But I don't know if I really want to have to be spat on, whipped with, 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 with a thing that had these nails that would pull my skin off. I don't know if I want to have to carry a cross that doubled my weight up a hill. I don't know if I want to stand up on a cross and have my hands nailed to it and die that way. I don't know if I'm that committed to do that. I love my Jesus, but I don't know if I can handle that. I have a high tolerance for pain, but just thinking about that pain, it sends chills through my body. But Paul's like, I want that. Please do me that way. Do me like that. I want to feel that because I am a real authentic follower. And to be a follower, I want to go through every single thing that Jesus went through. I want to know his suffering. I want to know his pain. I want to know how he felt in that moment. Give it to me. Because everything else, everything else I've done, the churches I've planted, the leaders I've raised up, that's cool. Even the pedigree of being from the tribe of Benjamin, that's wonderful. But I want to know this pain. What would lead a man to go through this kind of pain for people he didn't even know? And you got to understand, in case you didn't know, Paul was not a disciple of Christ. He was not one of the twelve. As a matter of fact, he joined on after Christ died, probably a decade later. He was not among them. He never had a chance to walk with Jesus. He never had an opportunity to break bread with him. He never had his feet washed by Jesus. Never saw him in the flesh like the disciples for three years who hung out with him. But he's so desperate and so desiring to to just experience Christ in a radical way that he's like, I want to even die like you. And I believe history says that I believe, let me see, I think it was Peter who was crucified like Jesus, but he didn't want to do it just like Jesus. He was crucified upside down because he didn't want to dishonor the integrity of how Jesus died. And I believe Paul was beheaded or something like that. I can't remember exactly how he died, but one way or another, he was crucified. He eventually did feel that. But he wanted it. Listen, I'm the pastor of this church. And I, 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 now, if I just so happen to be in a situation where I'm out doing missions and they kidnap me and, kidnap me and say, man, we're going to take you out, then I'm ready. But if they say we're going to crucify you, I'm like, no, I just like do it quick. I don't, I don't want to feel the pain. Just like, like just stab me or something and, or just go to the break. Just make it quick, man. Don't, don't, I don't want to suffer. I love Christ, but I don't want to suffer. I'm not there yet. I need, I need work. And if I'm saying that, I know y'all saying something a lot different. Y'all like, I don't even know if I want to die. But <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm even there, bro. You mean we might die being Christians? Yeah, you might. The way the world is going. There are girls right now, over 200, just because they're Christian, most of them, forced to marry Muslim extremists and still not return home. Why? 
because they're Christian. Not because they did something wrong. Not because they're super fine. Because they're Christian. Yeah, this is the world we live in, y'all. In America, every time we take something away, we're getting closer to being like that. Every time they say we can't pray in school, we're getting closer to being like that. Every time they're trying to take prayer out of the doggone locker room now. I'm like, what you doing in the locker room in the first place? We don't want to be in the locker room where they're praying. We don't want to participate in the coach's devotional. Well, then don't. Do what you want to do, but let the coach still have his devotional. Now the colleges are saying, coach, sorry, you can't have devotional. They're trying to take Jesus out of here, y'all. This is real deal, man. And in a minute, this country, which was built upon Christian principles, will be dead and gone and be run by people who don't believe. And the next thing you know, we'll have atheist extremists killing us because we proclaim to love Christ. We may not see it, but it's headed if we don't fix it right now. But it starts with us being authentic followers. Authentic. I don't, I don't want to get radical and get y'all all scared. Some of my militancy is coming back out. Y'all got to watch me now. Watch me. Y'all got to help me. I know I used to be militant, man. I used to be a troublemaker when it comes to what I believe. But I'm serious about this, y'all. I'm serious about this. Listen, here's my question. All of you all in here who have cushy jobs, wonderful families doing very good. mm, This is a question that's going to hit you in your gut, but you got to think about it. Is what you are currently living for worth Christ dying for? Is what you're currently living for, that thing that you get up every day for, you don't miss a beat about it, it's the most important thing, is that really worth Christ dying for? Ouch. Ouch. Man, that hurt. And that came, that, came, that was really, can I tell you what happened? That was me praying and praying for that God, listen, I'm, I'm praying to God, God, you know, there's some old churches here. I know that this church has grown. We got a lot of empty seats. I've taken some seats out, and it's, if I put all the seats here, it would, look, it would be more empty. Seriously, but it just so it can look like we got a few people. I said, I'm, just, I'm not going to set the whole thing up. All right, cool. Podcast people are like, really? I thought y'all were back. No, we're not podcast people. Listen, so I'm like, God, send some people here. God, God, build, build up this church. And, and, and God, there's some old churches here. Let us maybe merge with them and take them over or something like that so they can get some young stuff. And God says, okay, cool, all the stuff you're praying about. Let me ask you this question, Mr. Broderick Santiago. Is what you're currently living for, that desire to build this church, is that for you or is it for me? Is it worth my son dying for, for you to have a big church with a lot of people? What do you get in the end? A lot of people. But are they all disciples? And Jesus is saying to me, he's, you know, I hear him loud and clear, he says, focus on the interior. Make disciples out of the people who are here. And then they'll become disciple makers. And so I had to ask myself that question. Man, is, is what I'm desiring in my heart really worth Christ dying for? Nope. Nope. I had the same conversation with a friend of mine uh, recently. Uh, he got a, rec- a new promotion at his job, and he was all pumped up, man. He's a Christian, man. He, you know, he loves Christ. He's on fire for Christ. I says, man, that's cool, man. I says, man, he says, man, what, 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 you know, what scripture are you in? I says, man, I'm all over the place scripture-wise. I says, but you know what? God spoke to me in my prayer, and he asked me this question. Is what I'm currently living for worth Christ dying for? And I says, and I've, it's just messed me up. And he sat there like, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Because when he when he's talking about in this promotion, it's like, oh man, I'm about to pay off this bill. I'm about to pay off that. I'm man, I'm about to kill my student loan debt, brother. Woo! Take my wife on a vacation. Man, he's spending the money already because he got that promotion. He ain't got a check yet, but he got the promotion. So he's spending that money. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, man, I'm gonna bless my church, man. You know, that's the first thing. I gotta get that first fruit. So my very first paycheck I'm gonna give to the church. I'm like, man, that's dope, man. But he's going on and on, and I'm like, telling him what God was dealing with me on. He's like, yeah. Yeah, man, you messed me up, man. I'm not as excited about the promotion. Of course, he's gonna take it. But what he does with it now changes. It's no longer about him, it's about how Christ can be glorified in his promotion. What more can I do for the kingdom of God in this position? Not monetarily, but what other people can I speak to? Watch it. I might get close enough to the CEO who is not a Christian and begin telling them about Christ, and all of a sudden we have corporate devotion. Somebody say amen. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine one of the top uh, companies in the world having them all come together and they're doing devotion? There's a company that does that, and they're growing like leaps and bounds, and they don't open on Sunday, and and some of y'all patronize them. They're called Chick-fil-A. They pray, best customer service in any fast food restaurant I know of. huh? They give stuff away all the time, and they don't open on Sunday. They went up north, and they're like, man, you're going to fail in New York and Chicago. They're kicking butt in New York and Chicago. And y'all know ain't a whole bunch of religious folk up here. I know because I'm from there. I can say that. I, got, I have license and permission. They're not going to jump on me. And he's kicking tail up there. And they still do prayer and they still do devotion. And guess what else? Last I checked, they're still not a publicly traded company. It's still family owned. Look at God. Look at God. You may disagree. I don't care. But I know that when God is not at the center but at the head, the center and the bottom, all things work out for the good. All things work out for the good. They ain't worrying about no money. You can stand out there and protest talking about we ain't going to eat at Chick-fil-A. Then you got other people say, well, cool, that's more room for me. I ain't got no lines now. I don't have to wait in the lines. I'm just going in there. They're still about God's business. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. We got, we, we're short on time here. Number two. Number one, to be authentic follower like Paul, you have to have desire. Number two, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Philippians 3, 7 and 8 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Tia, you just got a doctorate. Is that garbage? No, right? You have a master's. Is that garbage? No. You have a degree. Is that garbage? No. Anything you earn, is it garbage? No. Paul is saying everything that I've learned is garbage because it doesn't match up to what Christ is offering. Well, we got to understand, too, he didn't have to pay for his degree, <laughs> you know, in all fairness. But this is what he's saying. And I'm not knocking those who have higher degrees. I applaud it, doggone it. It's great. I want me one. I, but I want to be like Diddy. Just give me mine. I don't want to sit in the classroom. Huh? Laugh all you want. I want to be like Diddy, man. I, I just ain't got the patience, man. I'm not a good book learner. Just give me mine because of my good deeds. And we're good. <laughs> Amen. 
But Paul is like, everything I've learned, the sacrifice, the time I've sat learning and memorizing the scripture, it's not worth it. My credentials, not worth it. They're not worth it. And what we have to do is desire, number one, to be a follower, authentic follower of Christ. Second thing, we have to decide to actually take the doggone steps to do it. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want to do it. Now you got to do it. Like the person like me. Some of y'all been following my Instagram and been working out. You know, I want to get to a certain point. You know, my man Brian started me off making me hike the mountain. After that, something just sparked in me. I was like, this feels good. I want to keep working out. I want to keep doing great things. I want to keep getting in shape. I love the new energy I have. This feels great. I feel amazing. But yet I look good too. You know, you know how you walk by the mirror, you're like, oh, hey, who? That's me. You know what I'm talking about? You like how that feels. But can I tell you, it's work. Especially when you're in the house with people that eat opposite of what you eat. Pizza, woo, cookies and cakes and donuts. Me and Krispy Kreme got an ongoing battle. I try to even avoid going past it. I take the longer route. If I have to go to Smyrna, I normally go up South Cobb Drive and then cut over Cumberland and then cut down South Atlanta. But now I get on the expressway for a short drive to get over here. Amen. Somebody go check that out, please. I get on the expressway to avoid Krispy Kreme because I know that's my weakness. And I can't handle it. If you need to check on your kids and make sure they're okay, you, you may do that. They would will, they will come get you if there was something going on, but just, just to make sure. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. All right, cool. Podcast people, those are listening, we had an emergency here. Avoid that. You have to decide that that's what you want to do. Let me move on to the next point real quick, then we're going to wrap up. Here's the final point. You, one, have to have a desire. Number two, you have to make a decision. But here's, I want to ask you two questions. I want you to think about these two questions first. If I ask you all in here if you love Christ, I think every person in here would raise their hand and say, yeah, I love him, I know him, I believe in him. But here's a question. God has our hearts. But here's a question I want you to answer. But does he have your life? He has your heart. He has my heart. Does he have my life? Does every decision I make, does everything I do, does every step that I take, does my income, does my, 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 my every move really depend on him? Is it all about building him up or building me up? And that's a big deterrent there. Here's a second question. Does everything we do in life reveal more of him to others? And that's how you can tell if he has your heart or your life. Does everything in your life reveal more of him to others? Whatever your occupation is, in your marriage, in in school, whatever it is, does whatever you do right now reveal more of him to others? Here's a final thing, number three. 
determination. Philippians 3.14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's pray right here. I, I, I don't feel it in my spirit to keep going. I want to make sure everything's good right there. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time together. I pray that even though this message was short, that, that it really resonated within the hearts and soul of the people in attendance. God, I don't know what exactly is going on right now, but God, I'm just praying that the, you, you, your hand is over us, that you bless us and cover us. Bless the, those who are sick and, and, and ill right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.